Hi, this is Buck Grant here, and I wanted to talk about the word leadership. Leadership is something that we are lacking in our modern-day world, something that, if paid attention to, could exponentially change the world for the better. This is why I have focused and dedicated a lot of my time and my training to learning how to be a, a more effective leader and how to teach other people to be an effective leader as well. The main reason I came up with the Muay Thai University, for example, is to make more effective leaders and communicators in our field. It troubles me when I see a person who has a lot of skill in the Muay Thai community, someone who came from a fight background, who is great in the ring but has a hard time conveying that message of teaching to their students. There are two different skill sets. Being able to fight and being able to teach are two completely different things. And in the Muay Thai University, we focus on how to be an effective communicator. What is the psychology of learning? How can I get someone in a proper state in order to be receptive to the information that I have? How do I speak their language with both verbal and nonverbal communication? And that's something that we're very passionate about. If that's something that is of interest to you, check us out. Go to www.buckgrant.com, click on the training button, and then look at Muay Thai University. If that is something of interest of you, we'd love to have you a part of our team. And now, without further ado, here is the Wisdom of the Warrior podcast number 11 featuring Phoenix Carnival. Okay, everyone, welcome to the Wisdom of the Warrior podcast. I am joined here by martial arts media personality, Phoenix Carnival, martial arts expert and lifelong committed to the craft. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got into first martial arts. I, I mean, the first time I ever saw martial arts was my my dad uh watched a lot of like sunday morning or saturday morning kung fu mm. and i saw bruce lee's interview on channel 13 he wasn't even doing martial arts he was just he was doing the be like water speech and i must have been about eight years old and i was like wow this guy really has the world figured out right. and i was like dad can i meet him you know something about bruce lee very charismatic very captivating and even as an eight-year-old you're like mesmerized by him you know and my dad was like, no, you can't meet him because he actually died. And I'm like, you tell an eight-year-old this guy's <laughs> dead. Now you got to explain death to me. And, you know, I'm like, this is really deep. He just so opened up a like, whole can of worms there. Yeah. It's like, well, he passed away, but we can watch his movies. So I was like, great. So I'm telling you the stereotypical story that every martial artist around my age tells you is that they saw Bruce Lee and then that was it, you know. Um, but I actually didn't start actually training in martial arts my interest started from very young but I didn't start training till I was in my 20s and I had my own money you know because I worked and everything because my parents always told me we can't afford it we can't afford it we can't afford it so once I was in my 20s and I had my own money I went to karate and then you know and then moved on to other arts after that well that, that's a very similar start to me I didn't get started till I was 1920 when I was in college and it was like every summer my parents were like oh we'll do karate next year and next year and next year never came until I tricked them into let me do a college class yeah but once you're interested in it once that seed's planted it stays with you until you're able to kind of fulfill that need and I, once I was able to fulfill that need I mean I never looked back I would never not be involved in martial arts in some in some way or shape or form I don't think I could ever not be involved with it somehow right that's it and you got introduced um, to Bruce Lee more through the philosophical side of it. I know a lot of people saw the movies, but you saw the initial uh, um, audio, and that's what really got you intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, well, I think everything is martial arts. I mean, that's that's what my show is called because of that. I I think that in order to truly understand martial arts, you have to understand what that encompasses. And it's a deep-rooted connection to yourself and to the universe, if you want to call it that, you know. Sure. It's and, – and you're the best fighter when you're that way too, when you can see everything kind of happening. Um, my father's old teacher, Peter Urban, used to have a quote, see everything and stare at nothing. 
you know, so that you were always kind of connected to everything that was happening and, and you always had a, like seeing all the pieces on the chessboard and their next moves. And I think that makes good fighters and also makes good people because you get out of your own ego and you're able to kind of see circumstances as they are. And that's very much what makes a good athlete too, is just being, you know, understanding everything that's happening, um, removing yourself from it so that you know what you have to do and being able to execute that without fear, doubts, or, you know, all those type of things, or being able to conquer your own fears and doubts and whatnot. So if you don't understand the spiritual aspect of martial arts, you don't understand martial arts. You, you're going about it as a sport, or you're going about it as an athlete, but you're not really going about it as a martial artist per se. And that's totally fine. I know tons of people who are fighters and not martial artists. I don't know a lot of martial artists that aren't fighters, and that's totally fine too. But I feel like the best, the best people are the are a combination of the two. You know, you know how to fight when you need to fight, and you know how to be a martial artist in your daily life because it enhances your daily life. So many lessons I learned from myself in the gym about my perseverance or my ego or my sensitivity I learned through really hard training sessions and you have to figure yourself out when you're under duress you know what I mean yeah um just just recently in my life I'm about to turn 40 but I've been I've started doing these Spartan races and Hmm? it's interesting how the martial arts aspect of things have come into uh, persevering through these long endurance races where it's just you and you and maybe a mountain and you've got to figure it out on your own like the fight starts to come back out of you no matter whether you're on that mountain or you're at work or if you're in the gym, you're in the middle of hard rounds, right? Yeah, 1,000% agree. Yeah. 1,000% agree. Always about conquering your own mind, you know? It's always about that to some, to some extent, right? Yeah, for sure. It's the thing, the thing that gets the most of our way. So mm-hmm. what do you think is the, uh, the, the issue then with mixed martial arts? Because I, I love the sport. Naturally, you're, you're a fan of the sport. Um, but I feel that... There is a there's there's some disconnect when it comes to the martial arts side of it versus the athletic side of it. Well, it, there's many different reasons for this, right? And one of the the biggest things or the easiest way I can surmise the problem is there are fans of martial arts and there are fans of violence, and unfortunately, uh, these two different groups attend the same events. Uh. Okay, and. There's more people who are fans of violence because it's intriguing to watch than there are fans of martial arts. So lots of times the marketing really tries to appease to to bring people in. I'm somewhat okay with this, and I'll tell you why. And this almost sounds contraindicated to the type of person I am. But if if I can get you in because you want to watch a good fight, it's like a gateway drug to me actually showing you what great people a lot of these athletes are. So as much as people see these like fight reels that are like UFC 189, watch this, pow, 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 right? right. They're also going to do uh, a UFC embedded where they show these fighters with their families and what they go through, like Sarah McMahon with her daughter or Tyron Woodley with his family. Or like then you see like the athlete and the person that they are and how hard they work and them in the gym. So as much as we can say the short 30-second marketing clips are these violent things, there's so many uh, outlets that people forget about that show the athlete and who they are and how hard they work and how much of good people they are. Like Chris Weidman's all about his family. He's all about his kids. He just had another baby. So we ignore those things. Why do we ignore those things? Because those aren't the 30-second clips. Those are the, the, the deep-rooted fans who start to see these athletes for what they truly are. And I just think the media as a whole has come to this short-sighted, sort of egotistical, superficial level of looking at everything. The fact that Kim Kardashian exists is a true example of that. You know what I mean? Like, who gives a crap about her? Why? Why are we talking about her? Like, I don't, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah, why is this a thing? Right. So I think a lot of it has to do with that type of marketing. But I also think that if you really look into it, you know, the way I interview athletes all the time is I talk to them like people. And we have a good time and we lighten up. Because, you know, you, you go into the ring and I think, I would say a good 89% of the time it has, there is no animosity. It's just like the basketball players aren't pissed when they dunk on each other. I mean, they get pissed when they dunk on each other. But you understand what I mean. The point sure. I'm trying to say is like y- you compete because you compete. You don't compete because you want to hurt some uh, another human being. You, you compete because you want to test yourself to the highest levels. And I think we do say that in the media. I just think that 
there's so many other outlets that are trying to say, like, look at this domestic violence case and look at this drug thing. And it's like, man, we need a counterbalance of people actually giving a shit about the positivity. But the whole world's like that, you know, everything. And it's going to be like that, especially for a combat sport. It's just people have to change their perspective and their interest on what turns them on and what they're attracted to and what makes them happy. And we really, as a society and as a culture, especially American culture, man, we like to focus on the negative. We just really do. Yeah. But I like that perspective of using the the violence as a, as a gateway because just like any type of conversation, you have to start with where, where people are, right? If that's what they're interested in initially, well, that's going to kind of hook them in. But once we get them in, then we can go a little bit deeper and say, hey, these are real people just like yourself who have real life problems and they're using this martial art to better their life and better the people around them. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So, so how did the, the media aspect of things play into your life? How did that become merged with your martial arts? Uh, I always liked stories, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I was really affected by, uh, good storytelling, like Steven Spielberg or Rod Sterling or, you know, I'm a nerd. Like, I'm not just, like, I'm like I'm a straight nerd, you know, Twilight Zone and Star Wars and Marvel comic. Like, I'm that. Awesome. And martial arts interplays with that. So I was always, I always liked the story behind everything. I always liked the psychology behind everything. And once I left karate and I started going to Gleason's gym, I would, like, train for an hour and a half, but I'd be there for, like, five hours because I would sit at the ringside with... It could be an MMA fighter. It could be a boxer. And they would tell me some crazy, I, I swear to you, I feel like my life's a Seinfeld episode, but it's like <laughs> Seinfeld did martial arts. Cause I've had crazy stories happen to me with celebrities or things people have told me or, and it just became fascinating to me and really became this like Seinfeld episode to me. So I started interviewing people and the person, the first person to give me a shot, the first person to give me a shot writing was Kung Lee. The, first, the second person to give me a shot on video was Matt Sarah. So I didn't get no, like, Joe's karate school practice. Like, I got the Showtime champion, and then at the time, Matt was the UFC champion. Right. So I had to think on my toes and get good fast and screw up publicly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, in, with big names. And at that time, the sport wasn't as big as it was, so it was easier to get to a lot of these athletes at the time. And... You know, they were very cool about it, and I just started doing it. And then, um, you know, just like anything on the Internet, it picked up traction. And then uh, Dana had heard of me, and then ESPN, and and, um, I got my UFC press credentials, and we started doing the show. Um, And the commentary came about because the, the referees and everybody knew me from training, and I was sitting next to the refs one day, and I was just saying what I thought was going to happen, and uh Eddie Cuello from Take On was behind me, and he had watched some of my videos, and he was like, this girl can commentate. And I didn't know I could commentate, <laughs> you know? Um, I didn't know I could do that. So I went from interviewing fighters and getting known for that to, to commentating. And the funny thing is the way I learned how to commentate is because uh, uh, Phil Nurse, my trainer and my best friend, and um, his wife would be like, you have to stop ordering these pay-per-views every month because our cable bill is insane. <laughs> so Phil would know that I'd be watching the fights. So he would call and I would be like, he's moving to his left, Phil. He's like, I really, he really needs to step to his side because he's straight through the center line and he keeps getting bit hit with a big right hand. And I would like tell him what's <laughs> happening. So I think I had practice, you know. And, um, you know, and take on, give me a shot and then Friday night fights and then some other promotions out in the UK. And now other promotions call me, uh, now and again to, to work for them and things like that. And man, I love every second of it. It's, uh, it, it's, it, I get paid to have ringside seats, you know, yeah. what a great <laughs> job. What an amazing job that is. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, so that's how it started. And you, um, I've noticed that a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, people who, um, pursue their own passion, the first thing is the passion. They found something that they would do whether they were getting paid or not and often did do not getting paid. And eventually yeah. the right person saw it and yeah. then there was your opportunity. Yeah, that's that's what it's like. You know, it's not a very lucrative field, martial arts. It's really not. It's not at the level of basketball or baseball or football or boxing for that matter. 
So most people who get involved with this, it's an absolute labor of love to them. And you have to have uh, other means, you know, like I have day jobs as well um, to keep me rolling until my show pops off or until other opportunities come my way. Um, and I'm always searching for those, but I will never quit because it's, uh, it, things are, things are going well for combat sports right now and they can get better because we're going to learn from all of these experiences that we've been having the last 10 years. So I think, I think I give it a couple more years before, before things get really good for us and our sport, because the way America is changing right now, we're all about action. We're about action and we're about hero worship. And there's positive parts of that, and there's there's not so positive parts of that. But um, if you can if you can leverage the good things about that, right? You you can make a great career out of it too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you have people that have been great influences with you. You, you spoke about Phil Nurse. If yeah. um, unless you've been under a rock in the UFC or martial arts community. And don't know who Phil Nurse is. He's a legendary coach. I uh, I had the honor of losing to one of his fighters, who's a good friend of yours. Yeah, that's James. Yeah. Years and years ago, like '96, shows my age. But um, <laughs> so tell me about the influence of, of Phil Nurse uh, on you and your 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 career and just your life. Phil and I um, have a Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi type of thing. We just, it's, uh, you rarely in your life do you get that. I got real lucky. And um, we play off of each other really well. We kind of understand each other really well. And um, we're both fight technicians. You know, we like to watch things and break them down and understand them and, and analyze them and discuss them for hours. We sound like teenage girls on the phone gossiping. <laughs> Like, oh, my God. And then he totally said this. And I told him that to he uses jab and blah, blah, blah. But, but we're talking about fights, you know. Awesome. So it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. So we, we've, always, we've always had that relationship. And he's cornered me. He's been a great coach. He's been a great friend. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as the other influences, AJ is one of them. Um, AJ and I, like, talk in great detail about my goals and my plans because he knows what it's like to have to execute missions, you know, being that he is a Navy SEAL. Um, so he's, he's been there for me, uh, through and through. And then, um, the fighters, honestly, they, they just have always been very supportive. You know, I think if, when people see that you're sincere about something, they're, they're more open to help you when they see that, like, you really have nothing but good intentions, they just open up, you know? And that, I feel like that happens a lot in the fight game and, and people have always been like real supportive, you know? Like you just, you have to be sincere. You have to, you have to be sincere and you have to also go with the flow and not expect anything. And when you don't expect anything, you're totally pleasantly surprised when, when, when things happen, you know, like everybody in the fight community in New York, whether it be from the WKA or even in New Jersey, the New Jersey state athletic commission, all of these people have been instrumental in teaching me things like watching me grow, helping me grow, helping me make the right connections you know, all the promotions in New York that put me on and, and, and help me like practice each and every time. I, I really have no complaints. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's great. It's good. It's good to be working for yourself and doing what you love to do and not have any, any complaints. Are there any people that are like on your dream list of like these, this, I would love to have an interview with this person. Well, I already got one, one, well, a lot, a lot of the people I really wanted to meet and interview have already interviewed. The biggest was Anderson Silva. That was huge for me. Um, But, like, my dream interview would be the RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. uh, Sylvester Stallone. Okay. And Jackie Chan. Wow. What a mixture. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. I think of all these, you know, genres that are all martial arts, nerd, heaven, you know. I would also love to meet Stan Lee. I would love to, like, just have lunch with Stan Lee at, like, I don't know, like a Jewish... Like, you know, like <laughs> Cat's Deli or something. Like, you know, it would be so awesome. Oh, God. You know, like, I think that would be the great. Play chess with the RZA and then just, I don't even know what I would do with Stallone. Yeah. Just 
to him. I would be so starstruck. It'd be like awful. <laughs> I'd be like, disaster. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you'd figure it out for sure. I, I would. I've, I've mentally prepared for this for years. So it's, it's fine. Yeah, your moment. Your moment's <laughs> coming. Your moment's coming for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great um, transition though to the the comic book thing. So we talk about like fighters being the like nerds, right? Like I I have not met one fighter who wasn't into comic books and comic book movies i myself like i'm a complete dork when it comes to that and i know you are because you post stuff all the time what do you think that comes from what is the correlation between fighting in that world being a hero and a sense of adventure and having to test your skills against something whether it be like the evil whatever or like and then like you know the x-men appeal to people who are different who feel different, who feel isolated. I mean, remember the X-Men was created around the time of, you know, civil rights and all that stuff was like at its actual head, racial turmoil in the inner cities. So um, a lot of that appeals to the, the outcasts, the, the, the the people who don't necessarily fit in and who don't really want to fit in. And also people who feel the need to be special, because I think we all feel the need to be special in some way. And, um, I think comics appeal to that. And then like, action, you know, like I, I, I had to take a psych exam for a job interview and it was like, it was like revealed to me that I was an adrenaline junkie and I was like, duh, you know, <laughs> like the scariest thing to me is living a life of boredom, jumping out of planes and like doing stunts and fighting. That's like the excitement. That's love. Like to, to living a mundane situation. That's, you know, that's just doesn't appeal to me. And I think, to be a martial artist, you inside have to be okay with testing yourself. Because mm-hmm. how many times do you go to the gym and in order to get better, you have to be embarrassed a lot. You, to be a martial artist, you have to be confident enough to put yourself on the line in front of people too. Because remember, it's not a lonely sport. Like if you're fighting, you're, you're in, there's an audience. Sure. You have to be comfortable enough with yourself to put yourself on the line, but then humble enough to get your ass beat in the gym because that's the only way you get better. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like you know, you know how embarrassing it is to get choked out. You're like, it's like punched is almost a little bit more like okay, it's instantaneous. But to have someone hold you and just be like, yeah. and then you have to be, you have to submit. Think about what that word even means. Mm-hmm. So how humble do you have to be sometimes in order to like get good at something? You've got to have somebody who's better than you tell you that sucked. Do it over. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when you go in there, you have to be confident enough to say, I can do this today because I worked hard enough in the gym for it. And that's a balance that only a certain type of person it, it can do. And I think that's a that's a person who might like comic books, who, yeah. who, who might like that sort of facing the challenges and adversities and action and, and stories. I think that I think. I think that's what it is. It might be what it is for me. I, yeah, I have friends who will give you a totally different answer, but maybe that's what it is for me. Yeah. You know, I won't even lie. Like the thing that got me in, I started doing all these Spartan races, these obstacle course yeah. races. And I remember the moment like, when I decided to do that. What did you say? You wanted to feel like Spider-Man? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, and I was watching, you know, Arrow on, yeah. on TV. Yeah. And I was watching him do the thing with the the bar where you're jumping the bar up to the next thing. And yeah, yeah Ninja Warriors. Yeah, he's running and, and jumping through stuff. I'm like, I want an excuse to be able to do that. And here came up, come obstacle course racing. But it all yeah. came down to, like, watching heroes on TV yeah. do it. So, For sure. Yeah. It's, it's an adventure thing. It's an adrenaline junkie thing. It's that testing yourself. It's that feeling just above human, you know? Like when you train and you do something, your reflexes took over and you didn't have to think about it. Your reflexes reacted, right? It was neuromuscular conditioning and you just did it. How great is that feeling? It's like, it's orgasmic for a second. Yeah. I trained so hard for something and now I don't have to think about it anymore. It just comes out. You know, this is a Bruce Lee quote. You do not hit. It hits all by itself. I always (laughs) love that. You know what I mean? Because that's where that high comes from. That's where that feeling comes from. Yeah. I just had that visual of... uh... Spider-Man dodging the punch and, and yes. looking at it go by, look back at the guy and then look back at the punch. Right. And right. that and moment it, where you didn't think and it just happened. Yeah. You live for those moments as a, as yeah. a martial artist. That's why we train. That's why we, we do something repetitive over and over and over again so that it's an instinct. And some of us get it faster. Like George St. Pierre, I would watch Phil teach him something 
once, and George would pretty much like have it. He just practiced it five or six times, and then it, then it was his son. He was in his body, and then he executed during sparring. Crazy. You know? Meanwhile, we forget stuff, and George would like George would like download it, set, you know, execute. It was crazy, really crazy. It was just, there's just some exceptional athletes like that, and and he was one of them. Yeah, but he also you know? seemed to have that that work ethic on top of that of his natural ability to. Well, psychologically, he has obsessive compulsive disorder, okay. and I think to some degree, all athletes have. A little bit of it, you know? Yeah. Well, you have to. Yeah. I think we're a little crazy. A little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. A little, a little crazy. But, mm-hmm. Good thing we have our communities full of crazy people to talk to to get us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have a superhero that you resonate with the most? Yes. And I hate telling people this because it feels like, it feels so, I want to say somebody that like would be like nobody else is going to say, but I'm going to say somebody that's everybody's favorite, but I can't help it. Okay. Wolverine. I yes. prefer Wolverine. I, I, I know I shouldn't. I know I should not go mainstream, but I love him, you know? And then I was telling somebody that I was, I'm dating uh, that I love Wolverine, and he's like, of course you do. He's small and ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do you think I'm small and ferocious? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, um, I guess that's why. Yeah. Wolverine. I love Electra too, but Wolverine's my man because he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just think Wolverine's real. You know, like he's, you know, he drinks, he smokes, he has. He's not necessarily the good guy all the time. Right. So everybody can kind of relate to that. He's a he's he's a real person who just yeah. so happens to have these abilities. So he can always snap a little bit, you know. Yeah. Always, that's me on the subway. I'm always just like a little, like a little, <laughs> on edge, like a little, little nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Your posts about being on the subway are are the most entertaining. Like I swear you're going to break out in a kung fu fight one of these days. It's actually going to happen instead of inside your head. I've I've, I've had a couple like tiny altercations on the train like i've done some passive aggressive elbow strikes and shoulder bumps <laughs> and like you know ankle kicks and stuff like that i've done a few like just to get people to back up off me and stuff yeah or me off the train you know yeah. so I've, I've used, <laughs> I've used some, <laughs> some technique bill is like one morning someone's going to call me from a jail cell and i'm going to have to bail them out and I'll know why. I'm like, I'm not going to get arrested on the train, Phil. I don't know how I feel for this. <laughs> so I have a reputation. Oh, my God. <laughs> best Phil Nurse impression ever. You definitely know him. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Will you stop impersonating me on your media days, please? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about Phil. Oh, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> So you you seem to be very interested in, in a lot of different martial arts and a lot of different just physical challenges. So I know that a lot of people in mixed martial arts, for example, get very, even though it's a mixed art, they get tunnel vision. It's like, okay, there's wrestling, there's boxing, there's Muay Thai, and there's jiu-jitsu. But you seem to be very interested in not only the other arts, but just anything physical to challenge yourself. Yeah. Uh your your body is is an extension of your brain, right? Your body is the only thing that's truly yours. Everything else can get repossessed by the IRS, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, your body is the only thing that's that's intrinsically yours, right? And if you connect your body and your heart and your and your soul and all that type of stuff, and you 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 can kind of get you control yourself. Like when I see overweight people, I don't have that like fat shaming judgment that other people have from material, uh, not materialistic, but what, what's the right word? Um, uh, like aesthetic, you know, like I don't have it. I don't, I don't look at them and feel like, Oh, you're fat. I, I look at it and I'm like, damn, I feel kind of bad for you because you're missing out on a lot of things that feel great about being human, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe taking your kids hiking and looking out from the top of a mountain. Like you need to be physically fit so you can live your best life. So you can be your best self, you know, that's what it is about physical fitness so that you can live to your absolute maximum and true potential. So that's what it is. It, and I know that some people like don't get that same high climbing a mountain as they do, like maybe making some money in, on wall street and stuff like that. And I, I try not to judge in that way, but 
how much better would you feel during your daily life, even if you were just like on Wall Street making money, if you physically felt good, like you felt lean, if you had good nutrition, if you had good energy. So physical fitness is a huge, I've been ill before. I've been very sick many times. I, I have health problems and stuff. So when I take good care of myself, there's such a significant difference in how my brain functions right. and how my, and how creative I can be on how <clears throat> more, much more loving I can be to people. So that's why fitness is such a huge uh, and important thing to me because it signifies human potential. And then other martial arts, they're all beautiful. They all have history attached to them. They all have cultures attached to them. They all have uh, like, to, to understand someone's culture, I feel you either under, you understand their martial art and you understand their food. Yes. I went to the Philippines and I did boxing in Kali and I ate their food and I was just like, man, I love these people because I felt like because I like and I found out the history of Kali and what happened to them, what happened to their people and and why it was so important to them and what, how their military used it. So you find out the actual history of the Philippines through their fighting art, right? Because right. every culture's had to defend themselves. And, um, and then, you know, food, just food's just good. Food's good. Yeah, food's good. <laughs> right. So yeah. I, I think because I'm interested in people, I'm interested in all martial arts because all martial arts come from somewhere or some type of people that developed it. And, uh, and that's why, uh, I mean, I love MMA and MMA is what I cover mostly because it's the most covered thing in martial arts, pop culture, sure. but I like it all. I really do like it all. And then um, you can train until you're dead. You can train. Okay, so, like, I can't hit people anymore, and I'm all calloused up, so Muay Thai is going to have to go out the window. Maybe I'll do some Kung Fu. Maybe I'll do some Jiu-Jitsu. Maybe I'll do some, uh, you know, by that time I'm old, I'll do Tai Chi. I mean, who knows, you know? Yeah. I mean, look at Dan Nasanto. Dan Nasanto is, what, in mid-70s now? He picked up Capoeira maybe 10 years ago. And that guy is like he's somebody I would definitely love to work with or interview, and you know, and he and he comes to New York sometimes. He goes to Anderson's gym. And he works with the Andersons. They're an amazing couple too here in New York. Everybody should know them and love them. They're great. And uh, he comes there and he trains them and and he trains with them. And it's like, dude, you guys got to tell me the next time he's here, I'm there because Kali is like. And I've only done it a handful of times because, you know, like I said, I have a day job and like there's just not enough. I wish I was independently wealthy <laughs> Batman and I could just train all day, but that's not <laughs> the situation. Um, but what a great art that anything with weapons. Oh, my God. I love weapons so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I can see the light go off in your eye when you when you talk about. Oh, man. The martial arts. Yeah. That point. Oh, and AJ pressures me all the time, like about knife fighting and stuff like that. Like he's like, you should be doing it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Girl, Dan, I mean, if you've ever done a seminar with him, I mean, I, uh, I trained under his lineage for several years and um, became an apprentice instructor and whatnot. And you go to one of his seminars and he'll teach 21 things off of an angle one strike. But then yeah. he'll sit there and talk for 20, 30 minutes about his relationship with Bruce Lee and how they were oh. good and friends. It, and it swelled up every time, right? He, he like, swells up every time. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. And um, I've seen him like, in like 30 interviews and every time he talks about Bruce, he's like, it's like, but I, but I get it. I understand. I feel that way about Bruce and I didn't even know him, you know? Yeah, <laughs> sure. He's, he's, he got a lot of us started, right? Right. Um, and there's so much history to, to Gurudan's um, experience. And I think, I feel that there's something missing even in our, in our, in our education system, like that there's that separation between what's going on up here in our brain and then what's going on in our bodies. And oh, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And I, and I, I think it has a lot to do with the drug industry. So I think we're taught a certain way so that people don't really necessarily know how to heal themselves and that they look for outside sources instead of inside sources. And I, that's my biggest gripe with the medical industry, you know, Oh, you have asthma. Why do you have asthma? Why is your immune system attacking itself that way? Why can't you breathe? You know, and, and then we don't look for the why. We don't look to repair ourselves. Uh, and we can. With the human body is that amazing. So, I, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the way the system is built. In order for, and I know this sounds like a big conspiracy theory or whatnot, and people could say I'm crazy for this, but I think, I think it keeps people under control, you know? It keeps them having to go to doctors and spend money, and um, that's really sad. Just 
it just it's depressing a little bit, you know. Yeah, but there seems to be a movement um, towards stepping out of that that parameters, like with the with the martial arts getting more popularity, and then right on right after that, there's the the Spartan race um, ra- thing going on where people are getting out of their seats and they're going out into the mountains and training, whether it be martial arts or climbing a mountain or whatever. Right. And people are trying to kind of combat that and get back to our, our natural ways, which is good. But they're missing the other crucial element to it, which is the balance, which is the recovery. It's like, there's a lot of this go hard or go home. And, and I'm like, you know what? That's not the best philosophy. How about balance? Mm. How about balance being the philosophy? Go hard when you need to recover and be soft and rest when you need to let's find that balance and then and then we'll be better physical beings you know mm-hmm. uh and people are also afraid to be vulnerable or or i mean maybe i don't know if this is just american culture um they're afraid to appear weak so they don't do the balancing thing like, oh, rest day what's rest day I'll rest and I'm dead. I'm like, oh, you'll be dead faster if you don't rest. How about that? How about that? You know, so just just a lot of that uh, mentality, tough guy mentality in the gym. You know, it's, it, it makes me mad. And um, so, yeah, movement, great. But should you do CrossFit if you sit 40 hours a week or should you build yourself up to a certain level? You know what I mean? Like that's sure. – so – as much as I see us moving, I still see us so egotistical that we haven't, like, saw the connection between a real balanced exercise program. Yeah. I've fallen victim to it, too. It's just, like, if it's an, if the workout isn't crazy, then I'm, I didn't work out hard enough, you know? Until I chilled back, fell back a little and saw results in my body when I trained a little less hard and I looked better. And I was like, oh, and I'm still performing at peak. Oh, maybe I should have one or two days that's not that doesn't look like rocky four <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> like maybe i should do that you know and like maybe i should take some advice of my own advice and stuff so yeah yeah we fall into that as trainers i know for a fact that um i tell my clients all the time to rest and yet here i am on occasion getting four or five hours of sleep a night instead of the seven to eight that i should and i'm the worst when it comes to sleep oh. yeah yeah. I you understand. Often when you're working for yourself and working multiple jobs, that's kind of the thing you have to work around. Mm-hmm. But I've also noticed that when I, the days that I force myself to go like seven or eight hours sleep and I wake up the next morning, I'm like, oh my God, this is great. You guys should try the sleep thing. It's like a drug. I'm like, I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the most talented person in the world, you know? Apparently, yeah. all you do is just lie down and close your eyes for seven, eight hours. You wake up feeling great. Yeah. Yeah. I have very vivid dreams, uh, very, very vivid, like detailed. And that's how I know I got good sleep. If I have REM, if, you know, I was real sick and it was because of lack of sleep. And I knew I was getting healthier again because I was dreaming. And I was like, oh, I'm actually sleeping deep enough that I'm going into a dream state. And that, that like absolutely helped a lot because that's when you, uh, your body, your brain starts to store information. So if they say they have like really super athletes, what they'll do is they'll have training sessions and they'll take a nap like an hour after the training session or so after they feed and their rest and they're recovered, they'll, they'll sleep this way. They can, um, remember more of what was practiced because that's when your brain processes the day and gets rid of the things it doesn't need to know. Like the guy in front of me at the supermarket was wearing a purple shirt. That's gone. Right. Unless there was something significant that my brain thinks I need that information for, it's gone. But it'll save the fact that Phil says that I drop my right hand before I'm about to throw it. And that'll stay in there. So it, that's why athletes need a, the, that crucial sleep as well, because sleep uh, enhances the learning process. Mm. You know? That's an interesting point, because most people talk to the physiological aspects of recovery, but the neurological side of it is being able to like retain information that you've learned a lot quicker. If you do take that nap after training, that's fascinating. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's tons of studies on this. Like, uh, I've worked, uh, with people with uh, PTSD and I'm about to actually start working with the police department about how to live healthier lives, how to be less stressed out. So they make less mistakes mm. and things like that. So I've been studying a lot. There's a great book. It's called on combat and it's right next to me. So, 
I highly recommend this to any martial artist or anybody who's going through extreme amounts of stress because one of the, the co-authors wrote a ton of martial arts books as well. It's by um, Lieutenant Dave Grossman, and it's with Lauren W. Christensen. Lauren W. Christensen is a seasoned martial artist, written tons of martial arts books. So these guys collaborated. One guy is a psychologist, and he works with um, soldiers and, and um, first responders. And then Lauren W. Christensen is the martial arts guy, and it's called On Combat. So this is a great. This I highly recommend this to like anybody who is um, putting themselves under high related stress situations. And it talks about the the sympathetic ner- nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight or rest or digest. And it really encompasses that balance so that your brain is functioning at its highest capacity, and you can you know learn your skills and stuff and stuff you know whatnot. Okay. It's a very very good book. Very very good book. I think actually it was AJ who. Who had recommended that to me? Okay, I'll make sure I put that in the the show notes as information to people to kind of, For kind sure. of look up. Yeah. So you do personal training on top of your your martial arts training as part of your your career? Yeah, I do um, personal training and group fitness, and I work with people on um, just how to be more efficient and how to like get past strategies. I do I have a lot of weight loss clients actually, and I have a lot of. Um, pre and postnatal and the, and I train some athletes too. But the funniest thing is the people that work hardest are brides. They are nuts. They are the most driven, determined, like, and especially because they have a goal date in mind, almost like a fighter. Like, you know, you have to be such a, like whatever for a particular date. They're insane. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good market, man. You'll get dedicated clients. Well, they have that goal, that, that definite, point right like a fighter has a fight coming up in eight weeks for a bride that is just as important if not more important right yeah they're nuts totally crazy so yeah that's my day job yeah and that so you have various different types of clients you said you have like brides you have uh, some athletes do you have a certain niche in your training that you you think is like your kind of proprietary thing that separates you from other trainers other than yourself of course I think what separates me from other trainers is that I, I know how to listen to you and I know what makes me able to motivate you. So I don't use the same psychological thing on every person. We work together as a team to, to get your body and your mind and your lifestyle habits to work together because what works for you, let's say you're my nine o'clock is not going to work. It's not going to work my 10 o'clock. It's, we have to figure out, how we can change your lifestyle choices and not opposed to me pushing them on you. And this is how you do it in more in terms of troubleshooting. What's your triggers? Your trigger is you like to go out uh, Thursday night and have Mexican food and eat a bunch of chips. That's your trigger. So if that's the, the thing that's causing you to eat an extra 1500 calories on a Thursday, you really shouldn't. How do we change that around or allow you to do it so that you, you know what I mean? So it's more about strategizing and, individualizing things um, as opposed to like, this is what I say and you should do what I say because that only lasts so long. People will lose motivation if they feel like they're not part of the plan and part of the process and they're not in control of themselves. You know? Sure. Um, it's just like almost like the same way you train children. You teach them to make good decisions and you give them the why as opposed to like, just listen to me. You know? And then there are some people who like that military mindset. Just tell me what to do, Phoenix, and I'll do it. And if I know that that's the type of person I'm dealing with, then that's how I have to approach how I train them too. Yeah. You know, we call, we call those fire clients, the ones that just need directives. Just mm-hmm. give, me, give me a directive, and I'll and I'll get it done. I'm like that. Sure. Like, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Because as a martial artist, you're so used to having people who are um, above you that like you have to learn from and you have to listen to. And you're used to being subordinate, so you're just like, yes, sir, and then you go and do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but, but the average person doesn't know that. They don't, they don't necessarily have that sort of military mindset, you know, so they don't, they don't necessarily respond that way, you know? And I have to, I have to be understanding to that. I have to, I have to know what gets you to do what is good for you, you know? Sure, sure. So if people who don't live in New York, how would they be able to experience what you do? Uh, 
Yeah, as far as trainer or, or, or for like martial arts media stuff? Well, martial arts media. So let's well, start with martial that. Martial arts media stuff, you can go to Everything Martial Arts on YouTube okay. and subscribe to our channel and watch some of our episodes. We've got everybody from Anderson Silva to Leota Machida to Luke Rockhold to Dana White to Ronda Rousey to um, Tyrone Woodley. We've everybody. We've interviewed everybody we've done some really cool skits one is called the art of intimidation and it talks about like what you do during the stare down um we've done some tours of las vegas you can see me geek out over anderson silva um <laughs> see me and phil break down what happens when you disagree with the decision when one of your fighters loses and you're coaching um we've got a lot of really great content and Hopefully next year, man, if MMA gets legalized in New York, we will have even more content for you um, coming soon. So that would be amazing. Oh, man. New York, the stronghold against MMA. What is going on in New York? I don't know, man. We needed 76. We supposedly had 78. And then at, at the last minute, something else came to play. The bill never got to the assembly because we, we were told that the governor would sign off on it. It would just, all it had to do was pass in the assembly. And it was going to pass because we needed 76 and we had 78. And then those people left because before because we went into overtime because there were other, other bills that needed to come up, like I think it was New York State housing and all these other things were much more important. So the MMA bill fell, fell to the wayside. And we were devastated because we really need those sanctioning bodies to help out this amateur situation. And we really need these, the, the New York State Athletic Commission to help out the pro situation when that goes down. And the, the bill and the law had so many great changes to it that really were going to protect our athletes. And it didn't happen. Hmm. And I was devastated because I was a, a big part of the process. It was uh, Stephen Kofer and Jim Jania that, they're, I mean, they're really on top of it. And then they trickle the information to me, and then I go out there and I become a voice for it, and I advocate on any area where you know Jim and, and Steven didn't touch. So we, we really worked hard. We worked with the UFC's lawyers, and it didn't happen, and I was inconsolable. I, like, didn't, I didn't speak much for two days, and if I did speak, I was cursing. It was like <laughs> I was really upset. So now we don't know. It could, it could pass this year. It just has to get, it has to, get to the Assembly. It passes the Senate. It's passed like seven times, and then it gets the assembly, and then so we need it to happen this year. So, from what I heard from the UFC's lawyers, they emailed me last week that we're going to do bigger grassroots movement this time. Cause they pissed us off last year. It was like two days before they're putting up like, oh, vote, you know, call your um, local congressman and tell him you want MMA in New York. Like, guys, we should have been doing this all year. Like, you're doing this right before. Chris uh, Weidman, you know, did some news. He did some media. He did some retweeting of my stuff. Like, okay, but it was like a couple of days before. I mean, we tried to keep punching until the bell rang, but it would have been we. It would have helped if we had even more support throughout the year. So I think this time around they're going to schedule some events. We'll be up in Albany even more. I mean, they did have Ronda go and and talk to the governor and stuff like that, and that was very successful. So now we're just hoping that. We're hoping that this is the year. I mean, like any good fighter, Jim Jania says this, you learn from your mistakes. We lost last year. We know what we need to do to come back stronger this year, and we're going to learn from it, and hopefully we come out with the win. And that's what we're looking for now. I think we have, like, a couple of um, a couple of meetings coming up, and it could be legalized by, like, March. Wow. But, you know, I, I <clears throat> not posting anything... Sure. <laughs> and I'm not getting crazy until we have another discussion within the next couple of weeks, you know, yeah. and we'll see what happens. Well, at least they have people who have a fighter mindset behind it, driving it. And even with this one loss this year, we have people that are willing to get back up after after their knockdown and try it and try it again. And, and we're, we're really rooting for New York to, to bring it home for us. I, it's got it's got to happen. We just got to sit tight. I mean, I really thought 2015 was the year. And I felt really stupid. <laughs> I don't know if you read my post, but I was like, it's going to happen, everybody. Yeah. You know, and, and it didn't. And I was just like, uh, I'm going to shut off social media because if anybody's and I, I posted this, I'm like, if any of you assholes say you told me so, I'm deleting you. I'm deleting you. <laughs> like, so for our friendship. 
<laughs> if you give me an I told you so, when all you did was sit here and be a naysayer and I worked my ass off and I wrote letters and I tried to get people to lobby and I went to the events and you dare tell me I told you so and you did nothing to help, I don't, I don't want to talk to you, yeah. you know? Um, so let's hope that this time I'm right. <laughs> and 2016 happens, you know, I mean, cause it could be a game changer. It could be. Good. We're looking forward to it. For sure. So we always end the podcast with a question. Okay. The question basically is if there's three pieces of information you can pass on to others to help them embody the warrior spirit in a modern day world, what would they be? Well, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff we already talked about. Number one, be balanced, right? Okay understand the mental, physical, and spiritual aspect of what martial arts is, mm -hmm. what it does for your body, and what you need to do for your body that it functions well. Um, and be good to other people, right? Number one is be balanced. Number two, think about things as a profession and a career. Don't think that you're going to be a billionaire from MMA because you will be resentful, or MMA or martial arts or whatever, you will be resentful you will be resentful of it because it will leave you hungry. So try to have either a contingency plan or create a career where you, you can still do what you love and have it be lucrative. Don't expect to the UFC to pay you the way you want to fight for the things that you need. But what if you get injured? What if it doesn't work out? You know, try to try to financially be responsible and be a business person as well, or at least understand the game as a business you know, so that you don't get screw yourself. And the third thing, I guess, is just never take life too seriously because you'll never get out alive. You know, that's a quote uh, that I heard a while ago from a celebrity and from Eddie Murphy, but it's not his quote. It's just his favorite quote. Sure. And just don't take life too seriously because you'll never get out alive. Like, try to have fun and be happy with everything that you do. And if you do that, you, you open more doors for yourself, you know? And, um, yeah, that's my advice, I guess. <laughs> awesome. That's perfect advice. Well, I, I always tell people the reason that I even started this podcast was number one, to, to help people live more of a warrior spirit, because I think everyone could be a warrior, whether you're the soccer mom or you're the, the, the fighter. So having these messages passed out to people is really important. Um, yeah. for my own selfish reason, it gives me great opportunities to talk to people I've always wanted to talk to. And so I've really wanted to have this conversation with you for, for a long time. And I really appreciate you coming out here on the show and, uh, and supporting it. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm always as supportive of all the martial arts, especially in the, in, you know, the, the East coast, we, we need it. We, we need to, well, I think we're pretty good. I think we have each other's back, but it's always good to, you know, to, to spread love and, and um, to kind of help each other grow and help the, the arts grow because then it will be more lucrative for people, you know, and we need that, you know, everybody's got to make a living and, um, and have a life. And yeah, so 100%, I appreciate you having me on. Cool, cool. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And everyone out there, thank you for tuning in for this show. I want to remind everyone to embrace the warrior spirit from within. We will talk to you soon. Thanks again. For show notes and links, go to our webpage, www.thewisewarriorpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook and be on the lookout for our installment in iTunes coming up soon. 